Today, if you would open your Bibles to Ruth, uh, if you don't remember our introduction that was two weeks ago, um, we are in Ruth. And uh, the plan was last week to go over Ruth chapter 2, this week to cover Ruth chapter 3. We're going to try and cover Ruth and uh, chapter 2 and maybe part of 3 tonight. Um, but I'm not going to be in a hurry because Jonathan covered like 50 chapters in one quarter and I only have like 12. So we're okay. So Ruth chapter 2. I'm going to begin tonight by reading uh, Ruth 1 through 3. So let's begin. Now it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem and Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth, and they lived there about ten years. Then both Malon and Chilion also died, and the woman was bereft of her two children and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the land of Moab, for she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, but we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Return, O my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So they both went until they came to Bethlehem. And when they had come to Bethlehem, all the city was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned and with her Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. 
Now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one in whose sight I might find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? The servant in charge of the reapers replied, She is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Thus she came and has remained from the morning until now. She has been sitting in the house for a little while. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Boaz replied to her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me, and how you left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and indeed have spoken kindly to your maidservant. Though I am not like one of your maidservants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here that you may eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he served her roasted grain. And she ate and was satisfied and had some left. When she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his servants, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not insult her. Also, you shall purposely pull out for her some grain from the bundles, and leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. She took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned. She also took it out and gave Naomi what she had left after she was satisfied. Her mother-in-law then said to her, Where did you glean today, and where did you work? May he who took notice of you be blessed. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The the name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed to the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. Again, Naomi said to her, The man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. Then Ruth the Moabitess said, Furthermore, he said to me, You should stay close to my servants until they have finished all my harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his maids so that others do not fall upon you in another field. So she stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now is not Boaz our kinsman with whose maids you were? Behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he is finished eating and drinking. It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. She said to her, All that you say I will do. 
So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came secretly and uncovered his feet and lay down. It happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled and bent forward. And behold, a woman was lying at his feet. He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. Then he said, may you be blessed to the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Now it is true, I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Remain this night, and when morning comes, if he will redeem you good, let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning and rose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Again, he said, give me the cloak that is on you and hold it. So she held it and he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did it go, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done for her. She said, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said, do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then she said, wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest until he has settled it today. And for the ending, you'll have to come back. (laughs) We'll get to that next week. But we begin tonight in chapter 2. And if you remember two weeks ago when we had our introduction, I said Ruth is very interesting in how it's written and laid out, right? We have this symmetry, and we have in the beginning of Ruth in chapter 1, we have a great tragedy that befalls Naomi. She loses her husband, she loses her two sons, and she's very sad, right? She returns home. But we also have this great act of loyalty, right? Ruth leaves her family, leaves the land she's known, and goes with her, her mother-in-law and says, I will not leave you, right? And shows this great act of loyalty and goes, returns with her back to her home. Chapter 2 and 3, we have these two kind of similar chapters where at the beginning of the chapter, you have Naomi and Ruth interacting and there's maybe some planning going on, maybe Uh, Just some information being exchanged, you know, some questions being asked to set up the story. And then we move on to Ruth and Boaz somehow meeting each other and having an interaction. And then from that, you you go on to Ruth returns back and, and lets Naomi know what happened. And they both rejoice. But there's not really a resolution because it looks great. Everything's looking good. But we're going to have to wait and see what happens. Right? So that's chapters two and three. And then in the last chapter, not to spoil the ending, but we have this another act of great loyalty in Boaz marrying Ruth and then that bringing great joy to Naomi, who is again given that hope at the end, right? And so there's that great symmetry in this book. Tonight we're going to cover chapter two and part of, if not all of, chapter three. And so we're going to cover that middle section of the planning and then, you know, the meeting together and and what happens there. So at the beginning of chapter two, we're introduced to a new character, right? We've met Naomi. We've met Ruth. We know about them. But who's this guy, Boaz? Boaz is a family member, right? He's a family member of Elimelech. 
He is a great man, they say, a man of great wealth. Do we have any other translations there instead of great wealth? A mighty man of wealth. Anything else? A worthy man. Yeah, so that's interesting. The the word there uh, for wealth in other places is translated army, actually, um, which is, you're like, what? Army? <laughs> um, believe me, I, I took Latin in school. A lot of Latin words mean something and then mean kill or death. It's very strange. But that word wealth can also be translated army. It can also be translated the idea of a, a strength, of worth, of efficiency. And I, what I liked was, was uh, one lexicon I was looking at said it's really the idea of a force of some kind. He's a man of great force, whether that's resources, whether that's an army, whether that's character. He's a man of great force, right? Um. And so, Boaz seems to be a good man. Now, remember, we're living in a time where good men are hard to find, right? We're in the time period of the judges. And whether we're in a time period of peace or of, you know, oppression, we don't know. But what we do know in the book of Judges is that it says everybody is just doing whatever they want, whatever seems right to them, that's what's going on, right? That's the the general outlook of the nation at the time of the book of Judges. And here we find somebody who does not seem to be acting that way, right? So Boaz is unique, a man of great worth or wealth. And so Ruth asked Naomi a question. Right? We're given that introduction to Boaz, and then we move on to Ruth and Naomi. Ruth and Naomi have this interaction. It's, we assume, the beginning of the day, and Ruth asks Naomi where she can go to glean. Why does she need to go glean? Yeah, how are you going to eat, right? You, you don't have any income. Your, your husband is dead. Your, you know, your father-in-law, he's dead. There are no men left in the family. Nobody's working a field, right? We got nothing. So if we want to eat, we got to go get it. And so they have to go glean. So Ruth asks Naomi, where can I go glean? Why would she need to do that? It's not her land. She doesn't know where the fields are, where it's appropriate to glean. She's not just going to walk into a random field and start picking heads of grain off, right? That could get you in trouble. Um, And so she asked Naomi, where can I go glean? And Naomi sends her out to glean, right? We're not told specifically where, but what we are told is that Ruth goes and she gleans. And while she's gleaning, what happens? She ends up somewhere. She ends up in Boaz's field. Huh? Weird. How'd that happen, right? And this is where we bring in the idea of providence, right? That Ruth could have ended up anywhere, but she ends up in Boaz's field. She didn't know it was Boaz's field. She just went out and was gleaning. And here she is, and she ends up in Boaz's field. But that's very fortuitous, right? Because Boaz then comes to check on his field, <laughs> check on his workers, and Boaz asks about the stranger who's gleaning in his field, right? Who's, who's this young maiden? Who, whose is she? And the servants tell him that she is Ruth, the one who came with Naomi, right? 
And so then we have this interaction through verses uh, 8 through 10, uh, uh, 8 through 13, excuse me, of Boaz, between Boaz and Ruth. And what's the first thing Boaz says to Ruth? In this story, it's stay and, and glean from my field, right? Don't go anywhere else, just glean from my field. And why is that important? Yeah, it's a safety reason, right? We find out later in verse 22 that Naomi says, that's, that's great. You need to do that because if you, if you glean from his field, other people aren't going to come and, and harass you, right? You're not going to get harassed. The, sometimes I think we gloss over part of this, right? It's Boaz being nice. He's just being nice. No, this is, this is very serious, right? You're talking about a foreigner, a Moabite woman, at a time when foreigners are not necessarily welcome in the land. Right? What are foreigners doing in the land of Judah during the time of Judges? I mean, the land of Israel. They're oppressing. They're coming in. They're, they're taking their produce. They're uh, robbing from them. They're killing them. They're oppressing them in a lot of different ways. And it's not a time period of when foreigners are, are you know, welcome. Everybody come in and come see us. We, we talked about this at a time period that was like that before, when we covered Solomon, right? What was happening during the days of Solomon? Everything was great. Everything was wonderful. We got all kinds of money, right? We're paving our roads with money. People come in from everywhere to see our king because he's a big shot. He does a lot of good stuff. He's impressive. You're from Ethiopia? Come on over. You're from, you know, these other places? Come on over. Come see us. But right now, yeah, we're not there yet, right? We got a long road to go before we get there. Right now, if you're a foreigner... It could be problem. It could be trouble. And what would be the worry with Ruth? The worry is, as we see in Judges, that you could be raped by multiple people, beaten, and killed. Right? That's the worry. That would be the extreme. Minimally, you could be insulted and harassed. Right? You could be yelled at. You could be pushed around. You could be told to leave. You could be forced out of the field. But the extreme... We've seen happen, right? It happens in the book of Judges. Yes, Bruce. It's coming. (laughs) Even so, with all this immorality and idolatry and violence going on around them, Boaz was a just man. And remembering back to Deuteronomy 24... He was not to uh, take the corners. He was supposed to leave those and the gleanings of the field to the fatherless and the widows, but also the foreigners, as it said. And so I just find it uh, amazing that in, in the midst of the original picture we get, there was no king and everybody did what they wanted to do, yet there were still godly men and women uh, in the land who remembered what God told them to do uh, and did it. Now, I don't know if Boaz was not a perfect man, certainly, uh, but you see these character traits of both him and Ruth coming out in this period of violence. and, And I just had to think while I was studying, I look at our nation in the midst of all of this immorality and idolatry and violence, 
You know, there's so few who remember what God said, not what man says. Yeah. Yeah, the, the light shine brighter, the darker it is, right? And so you see that here in, in Boaz, a man of character who is fulfilling God's word at a time where others are ignoring it, right? Um, and so Boaz tells her to glean from here. Uh, in verse 10, Ruth says, why do you care, right? Why do you care about me? I'm a foreigner. So reasons why Boaz may care about a foreigner. Um, one, he just straight up tells her, right? In verse 11, he says, I care about you because of all you've done for my relative Naomi, right? I've, it's been told to me about everything you've done to support her in her time of need, coming, leaving all of your, your family members and your, your homeland to come here and support her during this time. That's been told to me. But there's maybe some other reasons that we're not specifically told why Boaz may have, uh, you know, some insight into this particular situation. Matthew chapter 1, we find we're going through the genealogy of Christ in Matthew chapter 1. Who's Boaz's parents? Um, maybe a trivia question you didn't know you were going to get tonight, right? Uh, Boaz's parents, Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Who's Rahab? Yeah, Rahab's, yeah, from Jericho, right? She's not an Israelite. She was a Canaanite, right? She lived in Jericho. Worse than that, she was a harlot in a Canaanite, right? So, Boaz having a mother who was a foreigner and somebody not in a, you know, from a good profession or background, right? He probably was aware of what can happen, right? How people can be. And so he's protecting Ruth here, right? Stay here and glean with my servants, glean from my field. Um, I think it's interesting that, you know, as Bruce was saying, you read through this and you see the character of Boaz. Nobody is telling him to act this way, right? He, he knows that, right? When you think of the prophet Jonah being sent to Nineveh, God have to, had to tell Jonah that you need to treat these Ninevites a certain way, right? He had to learn that lesson. God's not mentioned here telling Boaz, you need to treat Ruth this way. No, he just, he, he does it, right? He knows, or he just is compelled himself to just do this on his own, right? He, he just knows to act the right way, whether by knowledge of the law or just through, you know, his inner character. But uh, I think there's, you know, a lot of lessons that we can learn from this specific section, right? This is a pretty big section in our story, this interaction between uh, Boaz and Ruth. And there's a lot of things we can learn. First, what determines a person's character? Is it who they're related to? Is it where they're from? Is it the culture that they grew up in? Is it the traditions that they have? No, right? It's not. It's their actions, right? Boaz points that out by saying, you know, Ruth asks, why would you care about me, a foreigner? Well, I care about you because you did the right things, right? You were doing the right things. That's why I care about you. You, you took care of my relative when you didn't have to. That wasn't your responsibility, but you're doing the right things, right? 
Yes, sir. And her character is evident. I find it interesting here in verse 12 at the end uh, about her trust in God. Yeah. Going back to when she told Naomi, your God will be my God. Yeah. She had evidently grown quite a bit in this period uh, before meeting Boaz because he considered all that she had done and all that for Naomi and considered all that she had done through the past time and knew that she had come to know uh, the true God. Yeah, we're not told specifically why Ruth decided to leave everything in, in Moab and come here with Naomi, other than just her relationship with Naomi. But you're right, it's evident in her character, it's evident in the things that are being talked about her, that she has been influenced by this relationship that Naomi had or possibly just by the nation's relationship with God, right? There's some kind of relationship there that's influencing her. And I think it is very important and key and a lesson that we can take away from this that Boaz acknowledges that to Ruth. There's a lot of us that are from difficult situations. There's a lot of us that had very hard times in our lives. There's a lot of us who have gone through and come out of incredibly difficult things and while it may have affected us maybe it didn't impact our attitude maybe we still were doing good while we were going through all of that and maybe your brothers and sisters see that in you we need to tell each other more when we see somebody being an encouragement right it was very encouraging for me uh, the other Wednesday night when brother Nate was sharing his his life up here, right, Wednesday night. That was encouraging for me. It's encouraging for him when we go and tell him that was encouraging, right? And sometimes we need that. We need it to get through. Ruth, in verse 13, says, you have comforted me. Right? Ruth is going through a hard time. It's not easy to go with your mother-in-law from your home and leave all of your family, whether it's a good situation or bad, they are your family and you care about them, right? And to leave all of that and go to a different place. That's difficult. And Boaz's words comforted her. Right? Another lesson we can learn. Ruth chose... Naomi, she chose better things in leaving Moab and coming here. And while the fruits of that decision are still playing out, she made that decision, right? She chose not her family, not her foreign gods, not her nation, but she chose Naomi and her gods and her nation. I think that's important. Lastly, Boaz provided a safe place for Naomi, or for Ruth, excuse me, for Ruth. We don't necessarily live in a time where we need a safe place to escape from people who may, you know, beat and, you know, 
slander and abuse us verbally or physically. But there's a lot of things that we encounter on a regular basis and a lot of situations that we may end up in on a regular basis, maybe due to our job, maybe due to our location, maybe due to roommates or people that we're around or family members. And sometimes what we need is a break. It's a place we can go away from all of that, where you can go and know that you are safe, that you don't have to worry about what's going to happen there that you don't have to worry about what you might encounter, that what might be said, that there might be something that's going to weigh on you emotionally or spiritually or physically. But you just have a safe place to go. And Boaz provides that for Ruth. We can provide that for each other, right? I don't have any fear of coming here as far as like, I'm not worried about, oh man, when I get here, oh, it's going to start, you know? I'm going to have to be on guard. I'm going to have to watch out what people are saying because I got to read the subtle insinuations or what. No, I don't have to worry about that, right? Because I know the character of the people I'm going to be around. This place is safe for me because this is my family. And that's what Boaz provides Ruth. And that's significant, right? Significant to someone who has lost a lot. Not everything, but a whole lot, right? And we need to be that same way, right? We can provide safe spaces for our brethren, for our uh, family here, and we need to. Continuing on in verses 14 through 16, Boaz invites Ruth to eat with them, to eat with the reapers. And what is this doing? Well, what it's doing is it's taking Boaz's character and it's taking what he has done in speaking with Ruth and what he has suggested with her working there. And it's put that into a practical lesson for his reapers and his servants on how you are going to be treating this woman, right? How do we treat her? I don't know. We've not had a Moabite hanging out in the field. So my instinct is to do this. Well, Boaz says, no, this is what we're going to do. We're going to sit her down. We're going to have her eat with us. And when you share a meal with somebody, it's usually, I mean, food is where we like, talk about stuff and hang out and make jokes and it's pretty comfortable right food makes people relax it makes people get comfortable and we can interact and be like okay maybe it's not ruth isn't a scary moabite person right she's not coming here to rob from us or to kill our children or anything right no she's here with her mother-in-law okay and so he's bringing her in. He's doing an active leadership role, right? I want my servants to treat her well. Well, how am I going to make sure that they do that? I'm going to start them off on the right path. That's what I'm going to do, right? I'm going to bring Ruth in. I'm going to have her sit down. I'm going to take charge. I'm going to be the one giving her food. Because when you sit down with people, it's really awkward when everybody else is getting food and you're just kind of like, I don't know what to do here, but okay, right? No, he's making her feel welcome. Um, leading by example, And then in verses 15 through 16, when that meal is done, Boaz commands his servants again, let her glean among the sheaves and do not insult her this time. Don't harm her in any way. Don't insult her, right? So that protection is being expanded now. No comments, no snide comments where you think she won't hear it, right? Um, You shall purposely pull out some grain. Make her work a little bit easier. Right? Accidentally drop some stuff on the way in from, you know, reaping stuff in. That's fine. I don't care. Right? Just leave it. Um, 
and uh, do not rebuke her when she's gleaning it. And so, you know, he's just, again, emphasizing that protection to, you know, his servants, to the people working that field. And Ruth, you see, he doesn't just give her the gleanings. No, Ruth still is working for it, right? She still gleans. She gleans the rest of the field, verse 17, gleans it until evening, then beats it out, and then takes it. It's about an ephah of barley and takes it and carries it back into the city uh, to her mother-in-law, what she had gleaned. And she took it out. And this, I, I find this so interesting. She takes out her leftovers from the meal that they have to give to her mother-in-law, right? She ate until she was satisfied at the meal they had. And she had this interaction with Boaz, who's treating her very kindly, and she's doing all this work, but she still has the presence of mind to take the leftovers, not for herself, who's been working all day, but to take them back and give them to her mother-in-law, Right? Just another selfless act from a woman who's done a lot of selfless acts up until this point, right? Because that's her character. That's who she is. At a time when other people in the nation are doing whatever they can to support themselves, not other people, right? But here's two people that are being selfless. And again... There's not a prophet telling them to do that in this book. There's not a messenger from God, an angel from God intervening and telling them to do that. They are living their lives just like you and me, and they're doing the right thing. And isn't that encouraging, right? That's an encouraging lesson we get from the book of Ruth. We just see regular people living their lives, going through their day, doing the right thing to each other at a time where it's very difficult. Yes, Brother Roger, it's coming. Boaz is doing the same thing for Ruth because in, in verse uh, 12, he tells her, I'm not even your closest relative. And he goes to the closest relative and asks him, will he redeem her? And he, he does that on his own. He does not have to do that. So there's, there's give and take on both sides there. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get to that in the next chapter. But yeah, yeah, he, he does. He takes the initiative. Yeah, again, I think that goes back to the comment of Boaz being a man of great force, right? A man of great worthiness. Uh, yes, Brother Bruce. And that goes back again to people doing and living their lives but living it according to the law because they're attentive to the Levite uh, law on uh, marriage, of remarriage of a widow, yeah. taking of a widow, honoring the land, uh, selling the land, uh, ownership, security, taking care of, of the, of the uh, stranger. Yeah. And even though none of that is mentioned here, you can see that it goes back to both Leviticus and Deuteronomy and these things of how they're being careful not to step on the law. And as you're going to cover that next week, uh, this relationship uh, could have been uh, another result. But it was, I think it was because of the Lord knowing and seeing uh, Boaz's uh, attention to his word. That's true. So I'm going to... 
continue. Uh, so Ruth goes back to Naomi. Naomi says, uh, you got a lot of stuff, more than what you should have gleaning. So what's going on? Give me a rundown, right? As the dutiful mother-in-law who says, give me a rundown. So, okay, Ruth gives her a rundown, right? This is what happened. Whose field were you gleaning? I was gleaning from Boaz's field. And he gave me all this stuff. Look at all this, right? It was great. Leftovers. Here you go. Enjoy them. They're delicious. Um, and Naomi sees that this is a good thing. There's something going on here, right? Boaz is possibly one of our redeemers. He's a close relative, close enough to be a redeemer. And so she says, uh, let's see, in verse, uh, oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. That's why I can't find it. Uh, She says here in verse, Verse 20, may he be blessed to the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. That is very different from what we see from Naomi in chapter 1. What was Naomi's feelings about the Lord in chapter 1? Yeah, I am bitter against the Lord. The Lord hates me. He's taken everything from me. He's given me, I have nothing anymore, right? He is against me in some way. He's my enemy. Now in chapter 2, It's the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and the dead. We do that, though, don't we? When we're in the middle of the tragedy, things are bad, and we have a bad outlook on life. We have a bad outlook on our relationships, whether that's with God or with other people. We have a bad outlook on it all because we're going through the tragedy. We're stricken with grief. We're struggling through it. When we get some separation, some distance, some time has passed, Maybe we don't have those same feelings, right? And so Naomi has maybe a little bit of hope showing up here. Maybe there's a little light showing up because this has been a gift, right? This is a good thing that, her, that Ruth's received. And she may see that, hey, this might, this might continue. And so, yes, when Boaz says reap from his field, glean from his field, you do that because that is good advice. But that is also a connection that we might have to something even better in the future, right? Maybe she can see forward to that. And so, in chapter 3, it's the end of the harvest season. How long is the barley and wheat harvest season? It's about four months. Yeah, four to six months, right? So, the the barley harvest starts uh, March, and usually the wheat harvest ends in about July. So, again, these are crops. So, depending on when they come in, you know, how late or early that might be, there might be some time gap there. But it's about four to six months. So, Ruth... Starts, they arrive at the beginning of the barley harvest. They, she keeps gleaning from the field until the end of the wheat harvest. So chapter 3 begins about a few weeks, months later, right, of her doing this. She's been going back and forth to the field. And Naomi starts with, you know, in chapter 1, Naomi told her, there's no future for you with me, right? There is no hope for you with me. I have nothing. I'm not going to have another child. There's not going to be anybody to redeem you. There's nobody else that you can marry from my family. Chapter 3, Naomi has a plan. She's seen some hope, and now she's got a plan. I can get some security for Ruth, right? We maybe can save 
the name of the family of Elimelech, right? We can save and have heirs in this family. We can save our line through our redeemer. And so she has a plan and she tells Ruth that plan, right? Why does Ruth need to be told the plan? We started this off in chapter two, right? Why does she need to be told where a field to go to? She doesn't know the culture, right? She's from Moab. The laws aren't the same there, right? I don't know how any of this works. And so Ruth uh, takes the advice of her mother-in-law, Naomi, and she's going to go with it. And we're going to see where that's going to lead us. So any other comments uh, before we close tonight? Yes, Brother Bruce. Yeah. Naomi might have been uh, just in her thoughts of God rendering based on Deuteronomy 28, looking at verses 15 through 19, God talking about those who obey his commandments will do well, but those who do not will be cursed, and even their uh, going out and coming in will be cursed, their basket will be cursed, their body will be cursed, everything about them will be cursed. And she had three deaths in the family. Don't know how soon they were, but they were quickly. And for her, as a believer, she might, I don't know if she did, but she might have had that verse or that thought in mind that she had disobeyed God for leaving her family and going into Moab and her children marrying Moabite women. Uh, So, you know, it was just. Yeah. All right. So next week we will begin there and continue on through chapter four. Thank you very much.